0: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW or Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, all right, all right, guys. Welcome back to Informed Consent. Before we jump into um, today's episode... We have a brand new sponsor, and that is Definipoint. Um, If you guys uh, tuned into our series on ADHD, you know that we interviewed Dr. Sam English, um, who is the CEO and president of Definipoint. Um, And he uh, so graciously offered to sponsor this podcast to get um, uh, the word out to other clinicians about our podcast and um, to support them with point. So, if you missed those episodes and need to know what Point is, um, it is the system that I use in my ADHD practice. Point makes it easy to conduct a best practice ADHD evaluation or evaluations by enabling clinicians to gather more data in less time with less hassle um, by making all the rating scales and assessments um, available online to, um, or I guess for the parents' teachers and any other collateral contacts, um, that, um, need to do these assessments or, um, that, uh, data would be best collected from. Um, it's super easy. I use it for all my clients. Um, I usually get, um, most of the rating scales that I send out, um, back within less than a week, which is, um, awesome, just super fast because then I can have all the data before, uh, my next session, which is super helpful. Uh, we don't lose any time. We know, um, for sure where we're headed and where we're going with the client um so if you'd like to check out um definipoint uh you can get a free 30 days by using the coupon code informed consent um so get 30 days of a free trial from definipoint using the coupon code informed consent uh and to do that all you have to do is head over to definipoint.com all right guys that is it for me and now on to the episode
0: listening to Informed Consent, the only podcast on the internet that speaks directly to those mental health professionals that are in the trenches. So whether you're a social worker, a counselor, or a clinician with another mental health degree, this show is for you. I'm Gabriel, and with me always is my co-host...
2: Heather. (laughs) It's me. Hi. (laughs) Uh,
0: Today we have a special interview for you guys. We are uh, interviewing Corinne Phillips. Uh, You can say hi. Hi. Um, Corinne has her LPC. Uh, She is just... Mm -hmm. Uh, newly re- relocated to Virginia from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's integrating yoga with her, her therapy practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Corinne, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and how you found yourself uh, in, I guess, merging these two fields.
3: Okay. Um, I don't know how far back you want me to go now. Birth. But... What's that? <laughs> <I said laughs> birth. Birth, okay. Um, 1984. <laughs> um, well, I basically feel like I was kinda born to be um a counselor and um I guess it all started the first signs of that were that I would get in trouble in school because my teachers would somehow be giving me too much information about their personal lives and I would come home and tell my mom all of these very intimate (laughs) details that I I shouldn't have known and she would say like how do you get these people to talk to you and it just I don't know, it just happened. Um, and have always just had a, a really strong feeling that I, um, my purpose in this world is, is to help other people. Um, and so when I went to college and had to um, decide on a major, it was pretty easy for me to pick psychology. It just felt natural. I'm um, fascinated by the human mind and behavior. And then um, I got done with undergrad, and knew I wanted to go further, and um, had actually considered going to medical school to kind of follow in my mom's uh, footsteps, and I had already filled out an application for um, the counseling program at East Tennessee State University, and I just kind of threw it up to the universe, and <laughs> I was like, if I get in, that's what I'll do, and I got in, and that's what I did. That's what you do. Yeah um and so i was a counselor for um several years after graduating from grad school in east tennessee and i did um inpatient drug and alcohol and um i did some um uh medication assisted treatment if you're familiar with mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um working with addiction um And then I was lucky enough to um, have enough money to go get my yoga certification that I'd wanted to do yoga teaching certification that I'd wanted to do, gosh, since probably my early 20s. Um, So I did that in my late 20s, completed that, um, and it really just kind of opened up a whole new way of interacting with people, a whole new way of counseling, um, brought this mindfulness component into it that i hadn't been trained a lot on in school mm-hmm. um and just um kind of dropping back into your body um and so now you know it's nice because those two careers have just kind of naturally married um and and it that's when i i feel like i i kind of started to find my stride mm-hmm. as a counselor actually when i went to yoga training so.
1: gotcha very interesting mm-hmm. What
0: was your just out of my own curiosity? What was your I guess introduction to mindfulness in graduate school? Because ours was minimal. Did if, you
2: have an introduction? To it was to like there's this
0: thing called mindfulness, and you breathe. Yeah. And right. let's turn the page we're moving on. Yeah. Right. I didn't think uh-huh. we got
3: that. No. <laughs> no, I remember yeah. none of that. Oh. Are you guys familiar with that book, um, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Yeah. So we were given that in one of my classes in grad school, and I was lucky enough to have this amazing professor. And I hope somehow he listens to this. I need to send him, you know, a link to it because uh-huh. he's incredible. Oh, I um, <laughs> I find it. But his name's Dr. Graham Disc, um, and my time with him, we ended up uh, me and a few, a few friends called it getting disked, because. <laughs> He would just kind of blow your mind with the way that he approached everything differently. Um, and he's such an inspirational guy. Anyway, um, that book was part of one of his classes, and he, he was always integrating things that other professors weren't.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Um, and, and he would kind of get really into a new model, and he'd just bring it into his class. Um, and that was one of the things that, that he um, incorporated um, and he I guess he just taught me a lot um, About Being present and tracking And staying with something mm-hmm. um, And Taking you know a moment to breathe If you need it And not hurrying um, But that's pretty much all all I got in grad school okay. and, and that was a lot compared to compared some Compared to what? Yeah, most people.
2: Yeah, yeah. I didn't
0: get that I think if I had yeah. I, I, When it was introduced to to me and maybe Heather, um, it was just, um, it wasn't even, like, woo-woo for me to, like, dismiss it. Like, mm-hmm. you know how, like, some things are just like that and you're like, oh, that's, that's weird. Yeah. It just, um, it just didn't seem like it held any water. But I cannot remember what the actual, it may have just been, this is a mindfulness intervention that you do. And I remember thinking, oh, you know what it was? It was body scan. I think that's what it was. Uh-huh. And I cannot do body scan. My ADHD just is a barrier to me. Being able to do a body scan because I'm like, I gotta get up and go do something. Yeah. This is not working for me. It's too slow. (laughs) But yeah, but, um, so, and that was it. Yeah. So I think if I had, um, if anyone had explained it with, uh, with what I know now, it's like some intentionality and just creating some pause, um, and looking inward, Mm -hmm. that would have been different than just focus on your toes, focus on your knees. Like, yes.
3: there are so many different ways to practice mindfulness, yeah. and really, like thinking about going through school, how nice would it have been to right? <laughs> to just be taught how to do that for ourselves in that oh process? Oh my gosh. Not well, even... wonderful
2: self care! Yes, yes. when well, mindfulness wasn't even a word that I heard in graduate school, it wasn't mm-hmm. until later on that I heard the term mindfulness. It was mm-hmm. we had guided imagery as part of different things mm-hmm. that we did, mm-hmm. but we that it, that was much later, and it wasn't until really doing trauma work. That learning about emotional regulation and then bringing mindfulness in is a piece of that mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's been cool. Mm-hmm. So how did you get involved in yoga?
3: So I um, got injured really severely when I was 16. I um, ironically, had just returned home to Tennessee from working all summer at a dude ranch in Montana. Where I was like riding all kinds of horses oh, and, yeah. and, you know, doing all kinds of cool, dangerous stuff. Um, and came back home, and three days later, um, I got on one of our, my family's, um, well, I got on two of our baby horses um, to, you know, as people say, break them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They were both two at the time. And um, I rode the female, and that went fine. And then I got on the male, and he got spooked. I got bucked off and I broke my back Mm -hmm. and that was, um, obviously a huge trauma to endure. Um, and it was kind of touch and go on whether I was going to walk. It was a really bad break and I ended up, um, somehow just with the strength that you naturally have at 16, I think, um, being able to avoid surgery and, um, I was given a brace and I was in that for four months and when I came out of that brace, my entire body was wrecked, Um, you know, I had no muscle um, in my core Um, I had horrible chronic pain Um, I was told that I um, you know, had already the back of a 60 year old and I was going to have arthritis when I was 20 and you know, all this just awful prognosis Um, but I was walking and that was great Um, and My mom had done, her family's from Holland, and my mom had visited Holland and done yoga there, like, one summer. Um, And hadn't carried that into her adult life, but I guess knew enough about it to suggest it to me. And um, I decided I would start practicing yoga to try and heal my back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ironically, like I tell people, yoga is so much more than the physical asana postures that Mm -hmm. you see people doing and and to me that isn't even the meat of it now i mean it healed my physical body but it did incredible things for um my mental and emotional bodies um and and so that's how i found it basically a trauma brought me there yeah so how do you integrate the two now so um, so in my counseling practice, um, I don't use as many um, as much of the physically physically based yoga practices, which we call asanas, um, is a Sanskrit word. Um, I mostly use the mindfulness, meditation, and the breathing or the pranayama practices that we were taught um, in training. and it just seems like that um, kind of added into the talk therapy just opens up new things for people. Um, and obviously I'm a huge believer in talk therapy, um, but there's just some magic, um, about the two. And so, um, a lot of times I'll start out with someone as soon as they come into the room, centering and breathing, Um, and that was actually taught to me, um, before I even went to yoga training with one of my mentors in Tennessee, who was my counselor for a while. And she always did that with me when I came in, I was all over the place and scattered and she'd say, you know, how about you just close your eyes and feel the couch you're sitting on. And, and she would do some body scanning stuff (laughs) with me. Um, and I just happened to love it. Um, so I do a lot of, um, a lot of breathing and mindfulness, um, just encouraging a lot of um, check-in throughout the session. Um, I talk to people a little bit about mantras and um, provide breathing exercises they can do at home. And sometimes if people talk to me about um, areas in their body that they carry tension Or, um, if they have a specific issue that I feel like relates to a certain chakra energy, um, center in the body, then sometimes I'll make an individualized yoga practice that they can do at home. And then they kind of have, you know, a personal yoga instructor too. They can text or email me questions or, you know, call me the next day and say that didn't work for me at all. Or this was wonderful. You know, it's, it's doing asanas for my hips is all of a sudden releasing these emotions that I didn't, you know, that wouldn't come out in any other way. Um, on the flip side of that too, when I teach yoga, a lot of my counseling training comes in and it's, it's never, um, it's never just a physical class. Mm-hmm. You know? There's always an emotional component, um, that I bring in a self care, um, exercise, um, some kind of, you know, philosophical, um, idea that I, you know, just kind of offer people to think about. So they just, they just complement each other. Um, and it seems like, um, in this day and age when we're so overwhelmed and overworked and hurried and tired and multitasking is like, a thing that we're supposed to be doing all the time it just seems to me that it that bringing the the meditation mindfulness breath component into a counseling practice just helps people learn how to reboot and it gives them things that they can do on their own you know they don't have to be with me to do a breathing exercise or a, a meditation um and i encourage you know pretty much every client to, to do some kind of contemplative, um, practice because it, you know, it just like the name of my business, deep well journey, it just brings you into a deeper part of yourself. Um, and I think helps you connect more with the world around you and other people around you. And, you know, I think that's another big problem in, in our society today is just kind of the disconnection. So very cool yeah very
0: cool um you were talking about but how yoga and and therapy they're just somehow connected and and i i laughed i don't know if our listeners could hear but i always (laughs) it it, to me it goes back to everything to what i always say is that everything is everything Mm -hmm. everything is always everything's connected Mm -hmm. like you that nothing happens in a vacuum nothing is binary Mm -hmm. um you know um although you're not counseling in during a yoga session, it's you're seeing things that other yoga, um, instructors may not see mm-hmm. like their body language, how they carry themselves, yeah. any nonverbals that they have, yeah. Or what are you carrying? Or what is this pose bringing out mm-hmm. in you? Yes. That you can just can't turn that shit off. Yeah. Um, so it's all, I mean, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought it was interesting. Um, talk to us a little bit more about, um, what do you think the benefits of bridging these two, um, fields is for the the clients?
3: Yeah. Well, kind of going back to, um, you know, what I was touching on before there's, our world is changing. Um, and there are a lot of, um, illness is a strong word, but there are a lot of, you know, kind of like cultural illnesses that that I see happening now, um, like and, what? and one of those is overworked, mm-hmm. um, overwhelmed, overworked, mm-hmm. overwhelmed, and anxious. Mm-hmm. I mean, for no real reason, though.
1: Yeah, actually, wait. Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> okay. right. Yeah, they've done okay. research
2: and found that people who live in more urban areas have more anxiety. Yeah, yeah, you're just moving too much.
3: Yeah, and I got to tell you guys, I went to New York City to see Wicked last weekend with my mom, which was. Oh my god, phenomenal. Was it, it was totally wicked. Um and that's the second time I've been to New York's, third time I've been to New York City, and the other two times were when I was in my early 20s and I wasn't mindful yet and mm-hmm. I and I wasn't at all connected to my body yet. Um and to me the city was just a heightened level of excitement it was awesome it was fun I ate it up you know and and really had no clue like if it affected me or how so I was really excited to go back and we you know start walking around by our hotel kind of downtown um right by Times Square and all of a sudden I'm feeling incredibly anxious and and that's not a really common experience for me now and I started to notice that, I mean, we all talk about our ta- our technology these days, yeah. right? And how we're all always on our phone. It's a thing. <laughs> but it was even more highlighted because all of these people were in this place together, touching arms, bumping into each other. Right. And they were all, like, staring at their phone. Yeah. The entire time. Even if you bump. Straight into someone, they will not look They're at you. They
2: acknowledge you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We went over spring break and and we're in Times Square, and now we, I kept commenting in the evening how much brighter it was yes. in the dark than it was in the daytime, and how artificial yeah. it felt. Yeah.
3: yeah. So I think there, um, it, it was a, a highlighted moment where I just noticed like people are so separated. We're so disconnected Mm -hmm. and the more, you know, technology has allowed beautiful things to happen, um, you know, in, oh my gosh, medicine and, and, and staying connected with people. Um, but I guess I just think that, um, the, the overworked, overhurried, always in our phone, um, always anxious is, is part of number one, not feeling connected to yourself and number two, not feeling connected mm-hmm. to the people around you, a community, right? Like that's right. a big thing for mental health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the benefits of helping someone understand how to drop back into their body and how to basically pull out, even if it's for 30 minutes a day of that rat race that has them anxious for quote unquote, no reason, but there is a big reason, you know? Um, I just think it's priceless. I I feel like it's a gift Mm -hmm. you can give people, um, to help them learn how to, to shut their brain off. Um, and, and to not have to feel like every single minute of every day, you have to be doing something. Right. Um, and you know, I'm big on, um, self-esteem. I feel like that's such a pet issue for me. I find it, I can almost find it in the base of any issue you talk to Uh me about. It's, it's become funny at this point. Um, but I think that's another, you know, when, when you're disconnected from yourself and, um, you don't take time to just kind of be with yourself and reboot. Um, you know, you're not showing yourself that you love and respect yourself. Um, and I think it, it, that bleed can bleed into everything in your life and into people's lives around you. Um, and you know, I, I'm sure if, you know, you all think about the, the most kind of organically powerful people that you've known in your lives that really touch you, it's, it's, it's mindful people, you know. It's people that know how to take care of themselves and want to foster that in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I guess to answer your question, um, it's a gift to do that for a client, mm-hmm. um, a big one. And, and the limits of... There are limits of talk therapy. Um, and while... I think it works so well for so many people. Um, sometimes sometimes you can't talk your way out of anxiety. You need <laughs> like, to feel differently, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and, and that's a, you know, the breath being so connected. I mean, physiologically, you know, we could talk about that whole connection, how anxiety causes short, shallow breathing, but short, shallow breathing causes anxiety and mm-hmm. um when you are in a hurry, all the time, you're going to have short, shallow breathing. You know, I see it everywhere, um, and and it's it's like a, a vicious cycle. Um, so, I guess does that answer? Yeah, kind of yeah. I went off on I a tangent just, there. Yeah, but
0: no, it, no, it wasn't a tangent. It was um, it was informative. I I think um, I've recently found that with, uh, and I told this to a client uh, maybe two weeks ago, maybe last week. That you know, if you're if you're um, insightful enough and you're self-aware enough, um, and you're able to breathe well, mm-hmm. there are very few things that you can't do. Absolutely, you know, like if you are just if you know yourself well enough, yeah. but you you know. And there's a difference. I'm very self-aware, but there was a time where I wasn't mindful, of it, so, but there's a difference. Knowing yourself, knowing what your limits are, knowing what you're capable of are one thing, uh-huh. but truly knowing yourself are uh-huh. two and different things. And liking
2: yourself, yeah. like having, feeling power within yourself. And I think that right. comes along too. Yeah, and I had no, someone no recently no. say um, they were going out to dinner by themselves and I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, N-, I was like, do you want company? And they're like, no, yeah. I'm the best friend I've ever had. I'm good. I'm, I'm the best company I've ever. ever I was like, yeah well, I want to, no, yeah, to yeah that's, like,
3: yeah, that's the Please, thing none of us yeah. want to do right yeah. like ooh, go out to dinner alone that's scary yeah. who do I look like, at I'm, a, like, I'm the
2: best company I've ever had good for like, her cool.
3: yeah mm-hmm. and it it I mean the the contemplative practices I think they do they they feel like coming home mm-hmm. when you practice them um on a regular basis it feels like Everything that you're searching for out here, it gives you a moment to, to allow none of that to matter. Um, it's freeing, you know, it's liberating. Um, and, and as far as, you know, feeling connected to others, there's a, there's a point, um, you know, and I don't know if either one of you have experienced this, but in, in mindfulness and meditation, um, where there's an uncanny feeling of being part of a bigger um, plan or a bigger system, or um, just just something important that you can't put your finger on. And you know, I've seen that has worked with my symptoms of depression and anxiety, and I've seen it work for other people. You know, um, and it's simple. Mm-hmm. That's the thing yeah, too. To Is like there's
2: more than this. Yeah. there's more than what's going on right now around me Yeah.
0: and being, and okay, I'm part with
2: of, and being okay with it mm-hmm. is a very powerful experience mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Bruce Lee said be like water and I, I told that to a younger uh, client that I have. he's um, a male so he was like
2: cool yeah Bruce Lee um, yeah <laughs> so
0: but there's some power in that it's just you know if you think about everything that water does for us you know be like water go mm-hmm. you know not necessarily go with the flow but there are times where water is uh, you know can assert itself
2: can Mm -hmm.
0: be strong can have strength and uh Mm -hmm. and then just also just flow and to be still yeah Mm -hmm. so um i don't know why i said that i can't remember uh i do have another question um do you because i'm uh i'm reading this book the mindful athlete Uh uh-huh um who's coming to roanoke september sometime in september (laughs) in september for roanoke's um What's it, Mindfulness Conference? Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? The Mm -hmm. Mindfulness Conference. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I've heard a a few people speak on using mindfulness um, as a gateway to flow. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you ever experience... No one ever said it in graduate school, but it seemed like that's what they were all getting at. And probably because very few of them ever played any sport to kind of get into flow. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seemed like their overall thought was... Um, and what the literature is telling us that, that ultimately flow is the ultimate experience for us to create change mm-hmm. and, and help change in mm-hmm. our clients mm-hmm. um, have you felt that the mindfulness work that you do I guess engages you quickly more, more quickly into flow with your clients hmm. do you know what flow is <laughs>
3: um, I believe so but yeah. y- explain it to me yeah.
0: so um, I mean the, 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 the normal example is, is in sport Mm-hmm. Um, where it 's just kind of an out of body experience and mm-hmm. it 's almost like you it's mindfulness it's you're witnessing your body mm-hmm. do everything oh. um I had a, a younger client explain it to me um as it's in sport it 's perfection uh-huh. it's you you can't he was talking about basketball you can 't miss uh-huh. no one can take the ball away from you and you're going to make the basket in the zone. It's just yeah it's in the zone yeah yep. yeah mm-hmm. um it's just perfection. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've experienced that a few times, yeah. um, with clients where everything is just, oh, the hour's up Yeah. we made so much progress, mm-hmm. but it wasn't using mindfulness. Uh-huh. So I'm curious if that's...
3: So first of all, there's an awesome documentary and I think it's called happy, happy, happiness, happy something. I'll have to um, get back to you on it, but it's on. it was on Netflix at least. And they talk about how that concept of flow is, is integral to happiness. Like you, Mm -hmm. you have to be experiencing that on a regular basis, whether it's cooking or sports or crocheting or whatever, like gets you so present in that moment that it's like a hyper focus. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I've definitely experienced that in yoga. Uh huh. Yoga asana, um, the physical practice, is a great way to experience flow um, because you, um, you know, if you're if you're doing it in the most mindful way you can, you're focusing on your body, you're focusing on your breath, um, you're you know, focusing on proprioception, right. um, and and it's marvelous. I love that. Um, you know, I've never thought about flow in a session in that way. And I guess I would say that I feel like most of my sessions feel like a flow to me. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure if that's, um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's facilitated think, have by Have you the read mindfulness. The Rise of Superman? No.
0: Okay, Mm-mm. so it's by Stephen Kotler, who co-authored Abundance mm-hmm. and Bold, which we always recommend. Um, and it's all about flow. It's all about the research of flow. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a website called... The Flow Genome Project, where he's basically studying and you can contribute um, to the data mm-hmm. on getting into flow. Um, but his, um, and even in the, this book, The Mindful Athlete, um, flow should be, maybe not should, I think in its most perfect, perfectest form, flow <laughs> is contagious. Uh-huh, so it's, uh-huh. it's I, I I hesitate to say if you, as a clinician, are experiencing flow and your client is not, yeah. then I don't think that that's mm-hmm. that's flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've and I've had the conversation with uh, other clinicians when when we're talking and we and the clinician and I get in, into flow mm-hmm. and we have a conversation about this is what happened. Were you experiencing that? Because I was experiencing that. And it's like mm-hmm. yes, I was. And that's where I've come to the conclusion is as a clinician, our goal should be to get our our clients into flow yes. in session. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Stephen Kotler in, in the book of, uh, the rise of the Superman, um, he talks about group flow mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. did you ever watch, and it's okay if you haven't, um, the third Transformers movie? No.
1: Mm-hmm. words called.
0: There's a scene in the third, tra- in the third Transformers movie where, um, a bunch of, uh, guys jump out of an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. um, into in like squirrel suits mm-hmm. and they come down into a building and they like hug the building and go like down, spiral down the building in, mm-hmm. in between buildings. That's all real.
2: Mm-hmm. They actually
0: shot that. Um, and a big portion of that book is talking about how the all those people, they're like on top, of, I mean, they're like in arm's distance of each other mm-hmm. um, and how they train themselves to get into a group flow state. Mm-hmm so that when they, when they can't, exactly, so they can move as a single unit, because if one person gets out of position, that changes the aerodynamics, and throws everyone off, Mm -hmm. and potentially into the building, dead. Mm -hmm. Um, so they talk about this whole concept of, getting the entire team of like five guys, all into group flow. Mm -hmm. Um, and the author of, The Mindful Athlete talks about, um, Michael Jordan, like, Mm -hmm. advocating it, and getting his, um, like Scottie Pippen, and a few of other, um, uh, teammates on the bulls mm-hmm. to get into flow with him,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, which led him to you know all the championships that, that the mm-hmm. bulls have yeah um, so uh yeah i don't know where I was going with that
3: yeah, i think I guess as I'm thinking about flow more in session, I think any time that you if you are i'll say it this way if you are consistently encouraging your clients to be present with themselves. Mm-hmm. And you're consistently encouraging them to drop into their bodies. And you're encouraging them to find their most genuine self. Mm -hmm. I feel like it just creates that flow. Mm -hmm. I see it in their lives. I see it in, um, you know, kind of the improvements that I see them making each session. Um, And... I think, you know, what you were kind of touching on before with, if you're experiencing it, it's contagious. Right. And, you know, I believe that, um, about just energy in general, Mm -hmm. like, especially if you're a a sensitive person, Mm -hmm. you're going to soak that in from people around Mm you. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're modeling that and encouraging it in real time in the session, yeah, I think it kind of creates that Mm -hmm. flow
0: so there's there's also and we can we can get off this tangent uh here in a second but there is That's data cool. saying that um that flow leads to accelerated learning mm-hmm. and they're actually training mm-hmm. branches of the military mm-hmm. to get from point A to point B in shorter like train them in shorter amount of time mm-hmm. all in group flow because mm-hmm. um, they all learn at, at like an accelerated pace mm-hmm. um which would suggest that if we did it in session that our clients would be better faster mm-hmm. and you know that it would probably lead out into their lives or they would carry that out in yes. their life because it because the learning is more solidified if it's in flow.
3: Yeah, I, man, I agree with you. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, and it's hard to attribute this like to myself or my training That's because okay. I've also, <laughs> I've also, I'm in a drastically, I'm working in a drastically different demographic kind of than uh-huh. when I started, you know, I'm not specifically in addiction anymore. Um, Doing private practice is a different clientele, you know, than an inpatient setting. But I do feel like since I joined these two endeavors together, I see people making huge improvements much more quickly. Right. Like, I'm astounded. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's been two months and look where you are. Yeah. How are you doing that? Like... And
2: and, um... well, and the creators, the authors of the mindfulness-based cognitive therapy mm-hmm. you know, kind of branch have mm-hmm. said that the, act, the active therapies, mm-hmm. the therapies where we are training our bodies and our brains mm-hmm. more than just talking and, and yeah. learning how to reorganize our, cogn- our cognitions, yeah. are much more powerful and yeah. there is less relapse yeah. in, in all realms of mental health.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you have this body that you can use as your tool you know so if you're just using your brain which we use once again all day every day all the time and you're not taking care of your body and you're not paying attention to it and you're not using it as as the wonderful tool that it can be that makes perfect sense yeah, yeah That, that it's just this one part of your brain yeah,
2: instead of your whole brain and your whole body yeah, yeah.
3: totally totally
2: so, if we have counselors who are listening um, mm-hmm. who want to learn more about yoga and its use mm-hmm. um, in therapy or as, as you know, auxiliary to therapy, mm-hmm. how can they find out more information?
3: <laughs> That's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're definitely welcome to contact me, um, and I have um, a, a fantastic business mentor um, in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, her name's Corey Brown. Um, you know, there isn't a lot of research or reading material specific to the combination of counseling and yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's on the rise. I mean, I'm seeing more counselors that also teach, uh, more teachers that also counsel, however you want to put it. Um, you know, if, if. I need to for sure give a shout out to where I trained, um, because I feel like, you know, yoga training right now, it's, there are some that are really intense and, and very deep and meaningful. And, and there are some that are shorter programs that are more focused on just kind of teaching the physical. Um, and for any counselor, um, who's interested in a yoga training that would facilitate their counseling career, Asheville Yoga Center is, Phenomenal. Okay. Um, they have counselors that actually come teach some of the um, curriculum there. Um, there's a new kind of yoga, relatively new, um, called Phoenix Rising um, that I'm thinking of training in. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, heard of but it, yeah. oh man, it's it's um, it's a fantastic combination of um, kind of integrating a a little bit of talk therapy into a supported yoga practice in session, um, astoundingly powerful. Um, so those are the kind of things that they'll bring into Asheville yoga center. So as far as a a training, I'll suggest that place Mm -hmm. forever. Um, but as far as resources, you know, reading material and things of that nature, um, um, there's some, there are some great books out there um, about yoga healing, um, but not. I just haven't read anything specific about counseling and yoga. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of a new... I think people are just realizing, maybe here in the West, I mean, maybe it's they've been a little bit more married um, in other on countries. Especially on, east, on yeah. the yeah. East Coast of the U.S. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, very cool, Corinne. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Yeah. um, If anyone wants to contact you, what's the best way to do that?
3: Yeah, so um, I have a website, um, www.deepwelljourney.com, and then my email address is deepwelljourney at gmail.com, so it's pretty simple. Um, I always invite anyone to contact me through either one of those. I also have a Facebook page. Um, You just Google Deep Well Journey, um, and yeah, for anyone listening who's interested in just discussing, um, how, how to integrate mindfulness with clients, um, please contact me. Um, but you know, going back to what I said before, it's not hard, you know, to, to just teach someone how to be with their breath and have a contemplative meditative practice. Um, you know you can teach yourself and you can teach your clients yeah. um so absolutely. that's the beautiful thing about it is it's simple enough that you don't need an authority um figure to tell you what to do you just I just breathe you listen you to be. yourself yeah. <laughs> yeah you just mm-hmm. breathe mm-hmm.
1: well thank so, you for your time and for all of your yeah, insight and information
0: thank you, yeah, thank you guys um, we'll include it's all perfect. of uh corinne's links and contact info the show notes uh if you're interested um And that's it from us, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. Join the conversation every week after the episode over at informedconsentpodcast.com. This is also where you'll find archived episodes and show notes to each episode. Plus, our recommended reading list for clinicians wanting to take their education to a new level. Go there and click Join the Conversation now.
3: Plus.